Hello, everyone, and welcome to the First Love Podcast. Today, I want to share what's going to be three of four podcasts centered around the the text I began with two times ago, the first Peter 9 and 10, where we focused on that text for the purpose of answering the question, can we hear texts that were addressed to Israel in the Old Testament to us, the people of God, the church today? And so, two times ago, I brought up 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10, where I pointed out to you all the parts of those two verses are direct scriptures that were applied to Israel, and now he's applying to the church, made up of Jew and Gentile. And last time, I had us focus on Ephesians chapter 2, where we saw where Paul was talking to the church there in Ephesus, made up of Jew and Gentile. And in, in chapter 2, he says that Jesus, through the cross, and his work on the cross, his death and resurrection, that Jesus had brought peace to the hostility between Jew and Gentile, the religious hostility, the racial hostility, and through the cross and through his work, He had made one new humanity, one new people, one new nation, and that he'd brought peace to those far off, to those near. He'd brought peace to our relationships with one another, again, whether the difference or hostility is religious or racial. But he concludes by saying, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people. That Jew and Gentile together make up the citizens who are God's people. And last time I had mentioned how for you and I, we are all born in a particular nation, so we are citizens of a particular nation. But the idea is that really we are to really focus or recognize, accept the fact that now that we are fellow citizens with Israel, we are no longer foreigners and aliens to the people of God, but we are foreigners and aliens to the nation that we were originally born in, that our citizenship is in heaven, Paul said, and that we await a Savior who is coming from there, Philippians chapter 3. Well, today and next time, I want to specifically go back to 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10 and look more closely at each of those words in that text and just pull out just how significant they are, what God is actually saying to us, as he was saying to Israel, that now he is saying to us, about us. So let's look at that. Let me read it to you again. But you, Jew and Gentile, are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. I want to begin with the clause in the middle there where he says that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. In Colossians, 
chapter 1, verses 12 and 13, Paul says this, Joyfully giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified you, Jew and Gentile, to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, the kingdom of light. I want to start here because it calls us to notice that this whole thing begins with God's loving action of calling us out of darkness and into his wonderful light, that God took the initiative to come to us. God took the initiative while we were in darkness, while we weren't searching for him, we didn't care about him. In fact, John says in his gospel, in chapter 3, verse 17, he says, this is the verdict, light has come into the world. In other words, Jesus, whom earlier he called the true light. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light. The point is, is that all of this begins with God's loving initiative to pursue us, to send a son into the world for us. And that, as Paul says, we should give joyful thanks to the Father who's done this, who has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, the kingdom of light. And so, Father, just hearing Paul say that, giving joyful thanks to you, Lord, we just pause for a moment and just say, Father, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And we give you thanks with joy in our hearts that you would do this for us when we were in darkness, when we were an enemy, when we were against you. You came to us and rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of light, the kingdom of the Son you love. Thank you for calling us out of darkness and into your wonderful light. Ah, oh, yea, God. So good. Then Peter says, once you are not a people... But now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, now you have received mercy. Well, this is a quote from Hosea 2.23, where God says through Hosea, I will have mercy on no mercy, and I will say to not my people, you are my people. And what's happening here was that God had instructed Hosea to marry an unfaithful, adulterous woman because it was a, a living metaphor of, of God's relationship with Israel, who was horribly adulterous and unfaithful. And, and they have three children, and the second and third one, a daughter, God says in chapter 1, call her name No Mercy. And he says of the third child, his, uh, the son, he says, call him not my people, for you are not my people and I am not your God. Well, again, I just love the fact that even though Israel is so undeserving of his love, so undeserving of his mercy, such that he says, I shouldn't even call you my people anymore. By chapter 2, we're barely into this book of Hosea where God says, Oh, because I'm full of compassion and full of mercy because I love you, I will have mercy on no mercy. 
And I will say to not my people, you are my people. And Peter, when he's like quoting this, he says, once you are not a people. And so he slightly alters it because he's saying to us, Jew and Gentile, that he's bringing us out of, out of our nationalities and into becoming the people of God. But here's the really cool thing I want to highlight to you today. Not to diminish in any way that God making us his people or having mercy on us is not a small thing. It's like, thank you, Father. But a really interesting thing is this. 200 years before Jesus, the Old Testament was translated from Hebrew into Greek. It's called the Septuagint. And many people by the time of Jesus knew the Greek translation even more than they knew the actual Hebrew. And in Romans chapter 9, Paul also quotes this verse, Hosea 2.23. But here he's talking about the fact that Jews and Gentiles are God's people. But what's fascinating is that the line that was addressed to the daughter no mercy. That line gets changed. And I don't know how it happened that when they were translating the Hebrew to the Greek, that they came up with this translation, but it's just so cool. So here's what Paul says, quoting that verse. And as far as Paul's concerned, this is what the verse actually says. He says this, God called us not only from the Jews, but also from the Gentiles. As he says in Hosea, and here he quotes now, I will call them, them, Jew and Gentile, my people who are not my people. And here's the cool line. And I will call her my loved one who is not my loved one. How it got changed from no mercy to I will show mercy to my loved one instead of not my loved one? I have no idea, but I love it. I love that it's there. And I love that here again is another specific verse where Paul is saying that that passage he's applying to Jew and Gentile who have believed in Jesus and are filled with the Spirit. But get a load of this. I mean, God's saying, look, once you are not a people, but now you're my people. Once you had not received mercy, now you have received mercy. But through the Septuagint, we have an additional phrase that says, I will call you my loved one who is not my loved one. Friends, what's so special about this is that this is our identity. Wow, this is our identity That this is who he says we are to him, that we're not only just his people, we were not only just called out of darkness into light, but he calls us, he gives us the name, a new name, my loved one. He says to you and to me, you are one of my people, you belong to me, I chose you, but I also say to you, you are my loved one. Well, then consider, let's go back to the text when he says, you are chosen people, royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Well, in Deuteronomy 7, 6, 
Moses reminded the people, For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. Now, the commentators, what was really cool was that they say that the idea behind this is that this means something that is unique and exclusive possession from a personal collection. It's the crown jewel of a large collection, the masterwork or the one-of-a-kind piece in someone's collection. Well, here in the Deuteronomy 7, 6, he said, I chose you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth. I mean, all the people on the face of the earth, all the nations, the peoples were his. Even Deuteronomy 10, 14, he says, to me belong the heavens, even the highest heavens, the earth and everything in it. It was all his. It's all his possession. It's all his collection, as it were. But he says now, he says, I have chosen you. In fact, as he continues in Deuteronomy 7, 7, he says, The Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other peoples, for you were the fewest of all peoples. Later in chapter 9, verse 5, he says, It's not because of your righteousness or your integrity either. But then he says, back to verse 8, 7, 8, he says, It was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your ancestors that he brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. The amazing thing is that he calls us, his people, his loved one, he calls us his treasured possession that We are unique. We are exclusive. We are the crown jewel, the masterwork. That's who we are to him. This is our identity. This is our name. This is who you and I are to him. That's what it means to be his. So again, hear the heart of the Lord. Hear the heart of the Father right here, right now. I didn't just call you out of darkness and into my wonderful light. I didn't rescue from the dominion of darkness and bring you into the sun I love, into my kingdom of light alone. I brought you to myself. I brought you close. I not only had mercy on you, but I have changed your name. I have changed your identity. You are now my people. You are my loved one. You are my chosen, special, treasured possession. This is who you are to me. This is your identity. This is your name. Where once before it might have been not a people, once before it was not mercy, once it was not loved. But I have changed your name. I have rescued you brought you into my kingdom, but I've done more than that. I've brought you close to myself and I've made you mine, my people, my loved one, my treasured possession, the ones on whom I have set my affection, I chose and I love. Oh, that you would live out of the wonder, out of the wonder and the mercy and the grace of who you are to me and what I've done for you. Father, again, we just join Paul to joyfully give thanks, joyfully give thanks of who we are to you. Thank you that we're not just rescued, but that we 
have extraordinary value to you and that you've changed our name. You've given us a special name, a new name, chosen, treasured possession, my people, my loved one. God, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Let it just go deep into the hearts of your people. Let it stir up joyful thanks. Mm. We love you, Father. We bless you. Thank you for the incredible privilege of what it means to be your people. Amen. God bless you all. Enjoy. Enjoy.